Well, hello, I'm Jeff Lewis. I am Director of Discipleship at Radical, and I'm joined today with David Platt, who is pastor of McLean Bible Church and also founder and president of Radical. And really what is driving this opportunity of dialogue with each other is about a month ago, I was really concerned with what would be the end of this quarantine and how would the church respond and how would pastors lead their churches to respond as it relates to possible budget shortfall, challenges that they're going to have as they restart and recalibrate and figure out what they're going to be doing. But how do we keep this mission of God that we're given almost 2000 years ago front and central to who we are as churches and as followers of Christ in each. And so, David, I want to thank you for taking time to be uh, to really participate uh, in this uh, video. Hey, no brainer like this. What you just said, I certainly want to be true in my own life and the extent with which we can together encourage others uh, and not just together you and me, but as leaders and pastors and churches all over the world press into, uh, uh, yeah, not getting our eyes focused off why we're here on, on the planet, uh, particularly in the middle of a pandemic. So yes, let's do this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's intriguing. We were with each other mid March when this was all kind of coming down and all of a sudden you haven't met as a church since middle of March, like everybody else has. So, you know, just along with your brothers who are pastoring around the world, uh, what are some of the positive outcomes? We always kind of go to the negatives. Have you seen any positive things that you've experienced during this quarantine? You know, absolutely. Uh, so much that's not ideal, but yes, like God working all things together for the good of those who love him been called according to his purpose. So um, hmm. I think oh, so many different positives come to mind. Well, one, just causing us to realize how precious and valuable it is to be together as the church. Uh, I don't think that's something we'll soon take for granted. Um, Amen. At the same time, uh, opening our eyes to the ways where we can engage a lot of people who are disconnected from the church with the church. So uh, Sunday after Sunday, as we uh, moved our uh, worship gatherings online, we've had, I don't know, exact numbers. And sometimes I'm not sure exactly how to read streams and views and uh, whatever those numbers might be. But tens of thousands more people hearing the gospel, sitting under God's word, uh, joining in and worship from all kinds of different places around the world, not in a way that. Lord willing, we get on the other side of this that we want to do instead of gathering together, but certainly opening our eyes to the opportunities that are there through technology to reach all kinds of people who might not be coming to uh, a church gathering in person. And so I think opportunities to leverage technology for disciple making, for spread of the gospel, for teaching the word for cultivating community to the extent with which you can do that in technology. I think our eyes have been open to those things in a way that certainly at McLean Bible Church, uh, things won't be the same afterward. We want to steward these resources that God has 
uh, taught us to use in entirely new ways over the last uh, couple of months. We want to continue to steward those resources in the days to come, even as we obviously continue to prioritize when we're able being together and making disciples face to face in person. Excellent. Now, I know that uh, most of the pastors out there have not just experienced successes, but also some challenges that they haven't been able to traverse through and come to conclusions. Uh, Not that we can belabor the point, but can you point to one thing that you just haven't been able to figure out? (laughs) There's, I, I, I just think going off of what we were just talking about, there are inherent limits to technology. And so I think about uh, some of the wonderful, beautiful ways we've seen our church caring for each other, like calling up uh, every member who's, whether over a certain age or uh, more immunocompromised in this way or that way, and saying, how can we, how can we care for you? How can we help you? So seeing those kind of expressions, but the, the limiting factor of not being able to be together. There is, God has clearly designed us for uh, for closeness with each other, even physically to be together in a way that uh, no matter how hard we try, we just, we can't overcome that. Um, yeah, the, the sense of longing that's there, the absence of certain elements in community that are there with that. Uh, I'll just be honest, when I drive every Sunday morning and gather together with less than 10 people in a room and, uh, and preach to a camera, uh, like I, I long for the day when we're back together. And I just don't think, uh, as, as wonderful, just like we were talking about all these, uh, facets of technology are, they are, they're inherently limited. Um, when it comes to, uh, the personal nature of discipling, I just picture Jesus and his disciples being together, walking mm-hmm. together, laughing together, walking through life together, not just periodic meetings here and there on Zoom or wherever, um, but really experiencing life together. This is what God's designed us to do. And there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that replaces that in the core mission we've been given as a church. Oh, I, I join you in that, that we wouldn't see this as the panacea to all our answers and how to quickly teach people uh, the word of God, but realizing discipleship is life on life. It is relationship. And you can, as you've articulated, that just isn't uh, fully engaged. We, there's not the full engagement through a video thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I really appreciate that. So for the last six months, I've been with you in different pastoral forums where you've had the privilege of talking to hundreds of pastors and you've challenged them to realign not only their lives, but their churches to the ultimate goal of God. Can you kind of summarize what you've been communicating to those pastors? Yeah, we've been and and Jeff, and you know, you've obviously been there, but just the way the spirit of God has moved in these gatherings of pastors, uh, it's been so encouraging to watch and to, uh, to be a part of just as we, so big picture, just walking through uh, from cover to cover in scripture, the end goal of God 
is his glory known and enjoyed mm-hmm. among all nations, like from cover to cover in scripture. And that's where all of history is headed. All nations knowing and enjoying the glory of God. So if that's God's goal, then that is our goal. Every child of his wants what our father wants. We want what God wants. So that's for every follower of Jesus and every pastor. So that means now the goal of every pastor is the spread of God's glory among all nations. That's what's driving God in history. And it's not what's driving us, then, well, who needs to change? Like, and obviously it's not God who needs to change. So this is, and again, it's not the goal of just every pastor. It's the goal of every follower of Christ, every mm-hmm. member of the body of Christ, of the church. And so, so if that's our goal, so if that's what's driving, should be driving every single one of us as pastors, when we wake up in the morning, how can I live and lead in the church for the spread of God's glory among all nations. The Great Commission is the means by which that goal will be accomplished. Disciples being made, churches being multiplied in all nations. So that's the work we give ourselves to. And as we give ourselves to that work, we realize that it's not just like this command is not just make disciples among as many people as possible generally it's specific it's make disciples of all the nations of all the ethnic groups of all the people groups in the world and that's where we need to open our eyes realize okay there are seven thousand plus people groups in the world today where there are few if any disciples in them few if any churches in them where there's little to no access to the gospel that means if this is the command we've been given this is the goal of god this is what's driving us the command we've been given to go to all of them then every pastor should be focused on shepherding the local church entrusted to our care for the spread of the gospel to nations, to ethnic groups, to people groups where the gospel is not yet gone. And if we are not uh, working to lead our church and ministry God's entrusted us, the people God's entrusted our care, if we're not shepherding them for ultimately the spread of the gospel and God's glory to all those people groups, then we are disregarding the goal of God and disobeying the great commission. What that means is global mission leading for the glory of God among the nations is non-negotiable for every pastor of every local church. So to walk through that in the word and think about the ramifications of that, how are each of us in our lives working to shepherd the church for the spread of the gospel to peoples, nations where the gospel has not yet gone. You even finished that last point in each of those forms with a pretty strong statement because you say that, you know, if we are not living and leading to spread God's glory among the nations, we are disobeying the great commandment. And we are great commission, excuse me, and we are disregarding the goal of God. Now, historically, whenever there's significant economic trouble, the church definitely has faces a lot of decisions. I mean, Ed Stetzer just recently came out with at least 25 to close to 50 percent of churches are seeing a shortfall of anywhere from 10 percent to up to 30% already in their budgets. Um, Barnard Group 
had about 25% of the churches were already seeing about 25% a shortfall in their budgets. And that was just a few weeks ago. When we look back at 2007, 2008 in the recession, one of the number one elements of the church that took the major hit in the budget shortfall at that financial crisis was the spread of the gospel among the unreached. So in light of the statement and challenge that you gave pastors, in light of what has really been the guiding uh, sentinel of your life as it relates to God's glory among the nations, what kind of advice would you give a pastor as they're trying to make very difficult choices related to what ministry is going to look like, how they're going to divide the budget that is more than likely going to be cut drastically as it relates to this message that you've been communicating to pastors the last six months and really your life as a pastor. That's uh, that's obviously something we must be thinking about together. And, and so one of my concerns, Jeff, even as you're asking the question is, I guess I'm somewhat concerned that, uh, that it's it's going to be really easy, and I think this is part of what you're driving at uh, for pastors just to uh, kind of reduce missions budget because uh, there's so many other things right in front of us that we think we need to address that this over here goes down and and not just in churches but individual budgets but particularly in church budgets. So this is where I. And I want to be really careful in this because I know I can only imagine people listening to this, some pastors listening to this, and I don't presume to know all the financial struggles that they are walking through in their church and not just in their church, but maybe even in their own lives, whether or not they have salary support for them and their families. So I want to be extremely sensitive to that at the same time to encourage us to prayerfully uh, go before the Lord and make sure that the things we've been talking about, zeal for the spread of his gospel where it's not yet gone, is still driving our decisions about money, that we are not shrinking back from making the gospel known among people who've never even heard it like we are constantly, this is one of the things we've been talking about with pastors, how even, so the small percentage of church budgets that are already spent on missions, and then out of that, the small percentage of that that's actually spent on giving the gospel to those who've never yeah. heard, like 90 plus percent of missions resources, we call it missions resources from churches, are actually going to places where the gospel has gone. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether it's Latin America, South America, Sub-Saharan Africa, and it's not that there's not good work to be done in those places. We talk about this all the time, but we're still not getting the gospel where it's not yet gone. There's two, three billion people in the world who have no knowledge of Jesus. Like they're, they're on a road that leads to a crisis eternity and nobody's ever even told them how to get the gospel. How to, how to have eternal life through the gospel. Nobody's even told them the truth about who Jesus is. So may that be on the forefront of our minds. And we think about, okay, we're going to have less money maybe to spend in churches because of giving and, and just the economy we're dealing. And so how do we make sure, though, that we don't sacrifice 
Like the Great Commission, the spread of the gospel to all the nations. That's what the Great Commission is all about. Making disciples, not just right where we are, but making disciples of all the nations. How do we make sure that still stays a priority? And I just got to believe that when we decide to keep that a priority, that well, just in a Psalm 67 sense, God wants to bless, cause his face to shine, to be gracious, so that his ways can be known on earth and his saving power known among the nations. He wants that mission to be accomplished. He will supply for that mission to be accomplished when we are aligning our lives and our churches and our budgets with his goal, with his goal. Uh, we will, we will experience his provision toward that end. So uh, there's just so many, obviously, prayerful decisions that must be made along these lines. But let's make sure that the goal of God is driving our decision making. Well, our heart both resonates with the fact that the greatest injustice in the world today is that there are 2 billion people who have probably never even heard the name of Jesus Christ. And according to Joshua Project, over 7,000 underage people groups in the world today, that totals over 3 billion people. And it is my prayer that as a ministry called Radical that exists to serve the church for the cause of Christ and, and glorifying God through the multiplying of disciples and churches among those unraised, that that's what drives us here. What was interesting, David, I had a, a meeting with a pastor face to face. We're in a park, social distancing appropriately. But here's what he one of the things he said to me was, I see this as an opportunity to be able to make some Radical shifts and changes in the church because we've had to stop everything except for the basic worship and gathering together online. And so he was asking me the question, which I'm going to now ask you. How should I go about that so I can keep the main thing, the main thing? I mean, one or two points of advice that you might give a pastor asking that kind of question. I love that. I love that conversation because that's, that's exactly what, uh, yeah, it's meetings I've been a part of this morning, uh, cause we're saying, okay, uh, we know we're not going to be able to come back, especially initially, like with business as usual, but who says we need to come back exactly as business as usual anyway? Um, no. even when we're fully able to do everything, like we have an, uh, a very unusual opportunity to reset some things and to decide what is most important? And when we come back together, I mean, what an opportunity for each of us in our churches to be able to reset before we just jump back into the way things were. Let's ask the question, what needs to, what needs to change about the way things were? Like there were many things that were good, but are there more faithful, effective ways to make disciples? I and mean, we were just having conversations this morning that like we want this to drive us into deeper community and smaller uh, groups, what we call church groups, where uh, people are experiencing the body of Christ, not just in a, a large auditorium where they're kind of sitting anonymously yeah. next to each other, but where they're growing together in Christ, where disciple making is actually happening, where they're working together on mission in the world. Like, how can we come back with a laser sharp focus on 
though that kind of community and cultivating that kind of community and uh and then mobile i mean that's one of the things we we talk about the way i put it is i want i want every member of mclean bible church uh here in metro washington dc like i want every member to to be living in such a way that god could pick them up put them anywhere in the world and they would know how to make disciples and gather together with the church not only know how to do that, but be confident to do that with the power of the Spirit in them and the Word of God before them. They would be able to do that without dependence on programs or professionals or big places or whatever to do that for them. Like they would know. And so, so that's what we're, we're actually, we find ourselves like, and I, in my own life and then our, as our, our leadership team, like renewed vision about what does disciple making look like in the future? Yeah. So how could, what do we need to simplify? What do we need to remove? What do we need to do different? So let's make sure we think through all those things instead of just rushing back into the way things were. Let's ask, what do, what is God calling us to do in the days to come? How can we most faithfully make disciples, mm-hmm. put everything on the table, kind of in a blank check kind of way and just say, how can we most faithfully make disciples of the church of all the nations, uh, starting right where we live and far from where we live? Ask that question and dive into it, uh, just with other leaders and don't jump back into business as usual. If maybe the Lord is not leading us to go back to business as usual. Well, amen. I love it. And I just want to remind the pastors that are listening to this. Every time David and I talk about making disciples, it is understood that the next Pantata ethne of all the nations is connected with that because the Greek syntax demands that we do not cut it off before we get to the all nations. And, and that's what drives radical and, and our desire to develop discipling resources that can help the pastor out there uh, integrate that within his churches because we believe that the chief end of biblical discipleship is that the nations might glorify God and enjoy him forever. And that's our, that's our desire. Well, David, I have one more question for you and it uh, shifts a little to the care of missionaries because when this pandemic hit missionaries, a lot of missionaries had the option of coming home. Well, really coming back to the States, they left their homes and other places around the world and others stayed. So what are some of the ways that McLean or you could even recommend that churches can nurture and care for those missionaries who have left the field and are anxiously wanting to go back? Just last week, I had a couple over that was supposed to go back last week, and they're stuck here. Mm. And their home is another place in the world. Mm. And they're aching for that. So how do we care for them, those that are stuck here? But those who committed to stay through the pandemic in a place that was probably didn't have the medical resources that we have, how do we care for them, too? Uh, that's that's a great question that I, I hope every church and pastor is thinking through. Like, so, yes, like we are, uh, you know, as we think on, on both those levels. So uh, we'll start with those who are still there, uh, maybe sent out from our church mm-hmm. or other churches uh, that we can, yes, let's encourage all the more. I've just gotten feedback from them along the lines of I mean, there's frustration, like they're not able to do what they're there to do on top of uh, just the frustrations of life, lack of medical care, lack of all, all sorts of things. And so how can we, even through technology, 
take advantage of all the more opportunities to encourage them, to include them in church life. I mean, right now, our yeah. church life is so much remote, so they can be so much more a part of it in a pretty in a way like we all are right now. And so to really engage them, how can we be praying for them to be able to pray meaningfully and specifically for them, with them? And uh, and then certainly to think through just any unique ways we can be an encouragement to them and make sure that those things are known among others in the church. And then those who are here, like these are disciple makers of the nations that are here. So how can we meaningfully engage them in disciple making among the nations right here. And uh, obviously there's unique challenges with that. But I, I think about even like right now, uh, while you and I are talking, uh, Heather, my wife is up at uh, uh, our, one of our, our main church building, which we've turned into a virtual warehouse. That's just uh, mm. taking in tons of food, like thousands of thousands of pounds of food that we're bringing in and then sending it out. And we are sharing the gospel and, uh, and you know, in every way we can, but people are coming to know Christ. People come to know Christ, uh, through masks, six feet apart, some sitting yeah. in a car, like people are, are hearing the gospel, believing the gospel, lives are being changed. So how can we meaningfully engage disciple makers among the nations who God has put right here during this time? And then I would add, I would add along these lines, and this is maybe a little step further, even than what you were asking, but even as I think about, uh, the new urgent initiative in radical, and uh, indigenous uh, brothers and sisters around the world who are working in really, really hard places who live there or from there and are working really, really hard places. That's why we're wanting to make some connections with them. I just think about uh, this pandemic has opened our eyes to a world they already knew uh, in, in this sense. Uh, so I'm not saying it's exactly the same, but these are brothers and sisters who live every day. We're doing this before uh this pandemic where there wasn't guarantee of food and in places where uh where they didn't have medical care for the most basic of infections and people could die from it uh this is their reality every day and these are brothers and sisters who we've identified uh and are working with through radical who are on the front lines of need like that and on top of that They've never, people have never heard the gospel around them. And so this is where we want all the more in this setting, but then beyond this setting, say, you're not alone. We are with you. And we want to marshal the resources of churches to say, how can we be behind you and be a part of making the, the hope of the gospel known on the front lines of the most urgent spiritual and physical need in the world before a pandemic, all the more so during a pandemic. Wow. Thank you for that. I really appreciate your time uh, to have this kind of uh, dialogue. And I, you know, you and Heather have faced something that most people during this pandemic have not faced, and that's the division of family. Because you have a son that you were supposed to pick up in February, Jeremiah in China, and your family is physically not complete. And so we want to continue to pray for you and ask others to pray for uh, the union of that family to come together quickly, that God might allow that. And pastors, we want you to understand, as David has already articulated, we don't have the answers, but we have to keep this question at the forefront because this is 
deep in the heart of God. I mean, God tells us, each of us, be still and know that I'm God, and I'll be exalted among the nations, and I'll be exalted in all the earth. I believe what God is doing there is he's exposing his heart to us. I want you to know me, but don't you miss my priority and the priority of my story reach from every single week, which is that my name will be great among the nations. And we know that comes to culmination in Revelation. And so, uh, David, thank you again. And may God be praised. Amen. Amen.